Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied abundantly unto you all through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our meditation for today is the Transfiguration account found in Luke chapter 9. You may be seated. This is the verse right before. He's got his disciples around him and Jesus says, I tell you, truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Really, a glimpse of heaven before we die. He let those words hang in the air for about a week. And then he took Peter, James, and John up to a high mountain, a little retreat, a little getaway. Peter, James, and John were granted to see the unseeable, a look on Jesus, to look on Jesus in his divinity, his divine glory, to see the kingdom of God come with power. That doesn't seem fair. Shouldn't everyone get to see Jesus this way? But Jesus doesn't want everyone to see him this way. Not yet. Soon we will. Soon everyone will when Jesus returns in all his majesty and glory. But not now. It's not good for us. We'd be toast if God showed up here in this place in all of his glory. Because we're sinful and he's holy. Those two things can't occupy the same space and time. Jesus won't use displays of power to persuade the world. Just a cross and a resurrection, the Word and the Spirit. Jesus is transfigured before them, morphed, changed in his appearance. His clothing became intensely white, whiter than any bleach or soap could make them. His face shone like the sun, so bright it hurt to look on him. What does this mean? Jesus' divinity was shining in, with, and under his humanity. Every cell glowing with the glory of God. God and man joined together as one. God of God, light of light, very God of very God, and also true man. There's something for us to learn from this morphed Jesus on the mountain. He's not a two-part Jesus, part man and part God. That is not what we believe. He's not a hybrid like a car that runs on electricity or gas. He's fully God and fully man. Where his humanity is, there also is his divinity and vice versa. When Jesus came down from heaven, he didn't stop being eternal son of God. When he ascended to heaven, he didn't stop being fully human. When we come to know Jesus, it's the God-man we encounter. Fully divine, fully human, all together, whether we are speaking of Jesus in my heart, Jesus in the sacraments, Jesus from the lips of the preacher, 
Always, true God and true man together. That's what makes Jesus unique. Unique mediator between God and man. He's the go-between, going between the Father and us. He touches God with his divinity. He touches us with his humanity. No one else can do this. With Jesus appeared Moses and Elijah. Now, who else would you want to make a cameo appearance than Mr. Torah and Mr. Prophet, the law and the prophets? They testify of Jesus. They typify Jesus. And they're, they're talking to Jesus, the Bible says. They're talking to Jesus about his exodus, his departure. Well, who better, who knows about exodus than Moses? And who knows about resurrections and ascensions than Elijah? How did Peter, James, and John know who Moses and Elijah were? They weren't wearing t-shirts, no name tags. There were no introductions. Hi, my name is Moses. Hi, Moses. This mountain is a glimpse for us of the resurrection on the last day when we will all rise and be seen in the glory of Jesus and we will be known. Our names will be known and we will know others, all who are joined in Christ. Think about it. You'll know people you've never known before in this life and they'll know you. The whole company of heaven who worships with us every Sunday. Think of it. All those Christians around the world from every nation, tribe, language, from every time, we'll finally get to meet them. This mountain is a picture of Mount Zion in the Old Testament, the city of our God, lifted up and glorious, the place where God dwells on his holy mountain. Let the nations tremble, let the earth shake. Great is the Lord in Zion. Peter has a bright idea. It's good we're here, Master. Tell you what, let's put up three tents. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. What do you think? A kind of religious Mount Rushmore. Jesus, Moses, Elijah. Why keep the event to ourselves? We should enshrine it. Make a holy site out of it. Busloads of pilgrims could come and take pictures and stand on the very spot where Peter, James, and John stood. They could sell little vials of dirt and said, Jesus stood here. The soil might even look a little bit charred just for the effect. We love that sort of religious stuff, holy sites and pilgrimages. But have you ever noticed that Christianity doesn't really have holy sites like other religions? Oh, we have historic sites, places you can go and visit. Historic faith is ours, actual places in history that the Bible talks about and we can go and see and you can visit and you're going to hear about some of that in a couple weeks from Pastor Glenn. But we don't go on pilgrimages 
to get close to God. We don't have sacred tombs. And there's good reason for that, because Christ is risen. His tomb has been empty since the very first Easter. We don't even know where it was. And it doesn't matter because it was borrowed anyway. In Martin Luther's day, the church loved that kind of stuff. They had collections of relics, bones of the saints, pieces of the cross, even locks of Mary's hair. And you earned points with God by staring at those things. It isn't much different today. We still hear about weeping icons and visions of Mary and Jesus. Remember this one? The chocolate bar? Jesus' face in the chocolate bar? Yeah. That's not how God deals with us. He draws close to us by preaching his word to us, by forgiving our sins, by giving us the body and blood of our Savior in the waters of holy baptism. If there is anything holy in this place, it's the Holy Bible, the word of God himself. And so when it is read and heard and preached and taught, that is a holy place for us Christians. We stop what we're doing at the beginning of every week and we say, we want to come together to hear from our Creator and our Savior and our God. And so we come and hear the Word of God preached and read in church and the visible Word of God, sacraments and baptism and Holy Communion. God comes to us in these, in His Word. Moses, Elijah, Jesus. Moses gave the Torah. Elijah was a prophet. They all did miracles and they all spoke God's word and all were holy men. But only one is God in the flesh who came to die and to rise to save the world. And that one is Jesus. It's very interesting. At that very moment, God pulls the plug and the transfiguration lights go out. And a thick cloud covers everybody. No more talk about shrines, religious rush, Mount Rushmore's, or tents. God the Father has the last word. Similar to what he said when Jesus was baptized. This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. And the emphasis is on this. He's the one and only the unique, one-of-a-kind Son of God. Moses and his commandments can't save you. He'll reveal your sin and show you that you need a Savior, but he can't save you. Elijah can't save you. you, can't take, you can't, he can't take you along on his chariot ride to heaven. He can only point to Jesus and then get out of the way. And the Father says, listen to him. Listening is what goes on with your ears, not your eyes. 
If you're looking for a vision, like the one the disciples had here, this experience, and then you'll be convinced that God is real and Jesus is your Savior, you're not going to get it. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, not looking. The transfiguration of Jesus was a piece of evidence, as Peter said when he wrote years later. This is what Peter says. We were witnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father, and we heard the voice. But Peter doesn't say, now go off and have your own little mountaintop vision. No, this is what Peter says in verse 19 of his second letter to the churches, to us. We have something more sure. We have something, verse 19, we have something more sure. The prophetic word. To which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. We have something more sure. Here's Jesus. Hear Jesus' words to you. He has the words that count. Words that are spirit and life. Words of eternal life. The word of Jesus preached and heard. That's your holy mountain where the Lord meets you face to face. That's where the glory of God is revealed to you. Yes, the glory is hidden, cloud covered, but it's glory nonetheless. It's just words in this book, but they're justifying words, and you need to be justified. Words that do justice to your sin by nailing them to the cross. Words that justify the sinner. Jesus' words were to hear them and trust them. It's interesting. Three disciples looked around. They saw no one else there but Jesus alone. Alone. Sola. The Reformation spoke of grace alone and faith alone and scripture alone. The Reformation did. It all comes down to Jesus alone. Christ alone. He alone is God in the flesh. He alone keeps the law perfectly. He alone suffers for us, bleeds for us, and dies for us and rises for us. He alone saves us and gives us a life. Fascinating what our church, Lutheran church, is built on, the solas. If you could put them up for me there. So they saw no one but Jesus alone, not shining Jesus, just ordinary, everyday, earthly Jesus. They told no one what they had seen or heard, and then later, when Jesus rose from the dead, then they understand what all this meant. And then the two mountains would come together. And here's what's really cool about the transfiguration. Painters have tried to picture it for us. The Mount of Transfiguration where you have Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, and then you have the crucifixion. And look at that. Jesus in the middle between two anonymous thieves. 
One of these three is not like the other. Two men were crucified with Jesus. Yet today, Jesus has one-third of all human beings worshiping him. The other two, we don't even know their names. They didn't get a religion. Nobody worships them. Billions aren't singing songs to them. We don't have holidays to them. We don't even get together to honor their legacy. But they all died in the same way. They all died on the same day. They all died in the same place. Yet only one is worshipped. Why? Because the one, Jesus, is God's chosen. That one came back from the dead. That one is God Almighty. God's answer to humanity's problem, God's only answer to humanity's problem. Once and for all, knowing exactly that is our Savior and our God. Now here's a cool thing. You're being transfigured too. Yep, the Apostle Paul said that to you in his letter. You are being transfigured into the likeness of Jesus. The same word is used. From glory to glory. You say, well, I don't feel very glorious. Of course you don't. You're a sinner. You can't see the glory, not yet. Your life in all its glory is hidden, the Bible says, hidden with God in Jesus. Only in Jesus are you glorious. In yourself, forget it. No glory there at all. Don't even bother to look. But it is coming. And we look to Jesus, crucified Jesus, risen and reigning Jesus who touches your humanity with his humanity and when you've been touched by Jesus well you've then been touched by God it's so important what we believe teach and confess about Jesus Christ and not be ashamed of it it is the answer to all of our problems amen